guys have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 35 through 39 this morning, and today we'll be finishing up our fourth study through um, Romans chapter 8. And as the Apostle Paul closes this beautiful chapter, he closes with a, a series of questions. And these questions weren't necessarily intended to be answered, but rather they were intended to provoke thoughts to cause us to think, and he was going to use them to teach us deep and real, powerful spiritual truths. And so today we're going to look at the last of the six questions that he um, started back in verse 31. And we'll pick up in verse 35. It says this, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? And so this is a very beautiful and powerful question that he asks. What then will separate us from the love of Christ? Now the Apostle Paul asks this question in anticipation to a believer who might wonder in the midst of everything that God allows us to go through for our good, for his glory, trial, tribulations, difficulties, one might ask, going through all these things, is there anything possible or is there any way possible whatsoever for us to be separated from the love of God? Now, again, the Apostle Paul wasn't intending this question to be answered, but if you're here today and you're wondering, is there any way in the life of a believer, is there any way for me to be separated from God's love? If you're taking notes, just put a big fat no, write it down, circle it, and highlight it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. If this was a movie, it's a spoiler alert, right? You're not going to have to wait to the end to find out if there's an answer to that question. It's no, and nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And as we'll see, in attempting to prove this spiritual truth, the Apostle Paul comes up with a list, a very elaborate, a very deep, detailed list examining everything possible that can separate or can cause separation in the life of someone. Not only that can cause separation in a life, but also something and anything that could cause one to wonder, to ponder, to think, possibly, or to doubt God's love for them. And this list, as we examine it, this isn't a random list that the Apostle Paul comes up with. Rather, this is a list of things that he experienced personally, things that he went through and that things were part of his testimony. The Apostle Paul talks very in detail about those trials and tribulations that he went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and also in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And so the list, it correlates with his life. And so he's going to talk about things that he went through beatings, being beaten several times with 39 lashes. Oftentimes, just one of those beatings alone would cause death upon a man. Imprisonments, riots, attacks, sleeplessness, hunger. These are things that he personally endured. And so he asked these questions, will these things separate us from the love of God? And these are things that he knew very well. But as we look at this list today, there might be things upon this list that us too, like the Apostle Paul, know too well in our own lives. Things like tribulation. Maybe some of you here today know what tribulation feels like. This word in the Greek, it has to do with adversity and difficulty that every single person goes through. Specifically, it means being squeezed to the point and being placed under intense pressure. See, the Apostle Paul knew what that was like, and sadly, maybe some of us know what that type of tribulation is like. Maybe you find yourself today here, even though in the midst of worshiping and glorifying our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you feel like you're being squeezed, you're under intense pressure and trial and tribulation. 
He says, well, that separates us from the love of God. The second thing he says is distress. This word distress, it has the idea of being confined to a difficult place. It gives the feeling and the emotion of helplessly being hemmed in or trapped. I can't help but think there's been times in my life where I've been in a situation where I found myself feeling like there's no way out. Am I alone here today? No, we feel like that. There's no way out. This is it. I felt like that often. I remember oftentimes, you know, walking home from school, you know, just knowing that my report card was going to be there and this is going to be the end of my life. They're going to see my report card. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But as I got older, I thought that that was the most intense thing that I would ever endure or go through. But it gets worse. And there's times where we think, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But God is faithful with every single trial and tribulation we go through. He will provide a way out. The Apostle Paul says, will distress separate us from the love of God? Feeling like there's no way out? Helplessly hemmed in or trapped? Will persecution separate us from the love of God? This is affliction that's heaped upon us as believers. Because of our allegiance, because of our love and our devotion to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will famine? Famine has the idea of not even being able to take care of or to provide the basic necessities for life. Nakedness. Same thing, not being able to, to clothe oneself, but it also has the idea of being vulnerable and unprotected. And that's how you feel when you, when you don't have clothes. There's a certain amount of vulnerability and unprotected that you don't have. Then he goes on and talks about peril, going through life and feeling in constant danger, and even the sword, having to fear for your life. These are things that the Apostle Paul endured. And things that many of us are possibly enduring right now or have been through or going through or will go through. And it's these things that can cause us to wonder and to question, will these things separate us from the love of God? Because it's times of trial when we feel like our world is caved in, times of distress when we feel like there's no way out, that often, if we're not careful, can cause us, God, where are you in this? Have you forsaken me? But he says, no, I haven't. I promise to be with you always, even to the ends of the age. These are things that the Apostle Paul knew very well, that he endured personally, persevered through, and even in the midst of all these things, never not once did the Apostle Paul allow this to doubt God's love for him, or that God was for him, or that God was going to use all these things for good in his life. And that's the type of faith and the type of place that we need to be. But from the outside looking in, it would have been very easy to witness and to watch the Apostle Paul's life as we study through the book of Acts. If we were a contemporary alive during the time of the Apostle Paul, it would be very easy to look at his life and to wonder, is God for him? Does God love him? Is God's blessing upon him? This is the same question that when he got shipwrecked, left for death, bit by a viper on the island of Malta, that the people there began to wonder. You see, we know the Apostle Paul to be a man blessed by God, but when they saw these evil things that were happening to him, all the trial, all the tribulation upon him, they wondered if this man was cursed. Is God for him? Look at this man. He must be an evil man. He must be doing something wrong. And so that would be from the outside in looking at his life. And so too with us at times. It may appear it may even feel in the depth of our hearts that we have been separated, that we've done something that has separated us from the love of God because of the trials that he allows us to go through, 
the tribulations he allows us to persevere through. And circumstances of life, if we're not careful, we can think the same thing. And that's why it's so important that we don't walk by the way that things appear. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't allow our feelings to dictate what's going on. We allow facts. That's why it's so important to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. To be able to decipher and discern the difference between fact and feelings. You see, certain times we feel a certain way, but the fact, the reality is that God loves us, that he'll be with us always, and that nothing could separate us from the love of God. But the reality is we may not feel that way at times. Through times of trial, through times of tribulation, through times of distress and peril and famine, we can begin to wonder. And that's the time, those are the moments of weakness that the enemy begins to speak lies and to heap upon the feeling and we have to be able to stand firm in the facts that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And also take notice here, the Apostle Paul is talking about God's love for us, not our love for God. He said, can these things that we go through cause God to not love us? And we know the answer to be absolutely not. God never has and he never will give us any reason to doubt his love for us. Let me say that again. God never has and he never will give us any reason to doubt the great love that he has for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God has clearly shown, he has clearly shown and proved his love for us. And while we were sinners, he died for us. That alone, he proved, demonstrated, and showed clearly his great love for us. When we wanted nothing to do with him, when we were at enmity, an enemy of God, Dead in our sins and trespasses, God said, I loved you when we were unlovable. God said, I loved you when you were rebelling against me, running from me. I loved you. He demonstrated that. There was a time in the ministry, it was an exciting time where I got to travel around the world a lot and doing missions and telling people about Christ. And one of my favorite times before I left, we'd go to the airport with my, my kids and they were little and they were really lovable at that time. Something happens when they turn, when they get a little bit older, when they get like three, something, no, I'm just kidding. You know, they just, but I just remember all the kids would be there and I'd be telling them how much I love them. And, you know, they were fighting over who loved me more. And Nevaeh being the youngest one, she would want to demonstrate, to show, to make sure that I knew that she loved me the most. And so she would say, I said, who loves me the most? And the boy was like, I do, I do. And the baby's like, ah! And she would literally stretch her arms, I need daddy this much. Because we say, you want some cream with your coffee? Yeah, just a little bit. We, you know, this is a universal sign, oh, this much, this much. And so she would just stretch, daddy, I love you this much, this much, this much. And I was thinking about the fact that God showed and proved his love for us while he was on the cross. In light of Easter, in light of Good Friday, he demonstrated we never have to doubt. He says, I love you this much. And in John chapter 13, Jesus said that he loves us to the end, that this love doesn't run out, that it doesn't run dry, and that it doesn't stop, and nothing can separate us from it. He says, I love you till the end. Not the end of his life. Not the end to a credit limit. Like It's like a credit card. You go, hey, this amount of love I've got for you, all right? You know, you're on a budget, you know, you've been, you know, you're running a little, you know, no, it doesn't run out. It doesn't run dry. Nothing separates us from the love of God. So to answer the question, no, nothing can separate us, not trial, not tribulation. And I personally believe 
God would want his people. There's nothing more than God would want for his people to know his great love for them. Even as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, he said, may they know the depth, the height, the width of my love for them. I can't think of anything here today that God would want his people to know more. That God would want his people to leave this place knowing is that he loves us so much and that nothing can separate us from his love. We live in a world that is loveless. And that's why I believe it's so important to know that God loved it, that he demonstrated, that he proved it. Because if we don't know that, understand that it's a basic principle, but sadly, so many believers waver and doubt through that. And the reason is, is because during trial, tribulation, times of distress and despair, the enemy's always there to say, where is your God? And we have to understand and know that he is right there and that he loves us. And since God showed and proved his great love for us, we can now love him and love people. Apart from the love of God, it's impossible for us to love God and love people. That's our motto. 1 John chapter 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Apart from God, it's impossible. The love of God filling our heart, the love of God that was demonstrated, showed, and proved by him going to the cross, apart from, them, it's, apart from that, it's impossible to truly love God and love people. You see, understanding that because he loved, we can love also. But the question is, he demonstrated and showed how he loved us. How in return can we demonstrate and show our love for God? I think we can simplify. I think we could probably do a 20-part series, a, a, a series, you know, a sermon series on how we can demonstrate and show our love for God. But we can simplify today, I believe, with just one word. How can we demonstrate our love for God? Obedience. I think obedience is the answer in a way that we as Jesus, as Christ followers, can show our love for God. Jesus, in one of his teachings, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do those things which I say? So Jesus was asking, yes, I'm your Lord. Yes, I'm your master. You willingly come and follow me here. You're believers, you're followers, but why don't you do those things that I say? Jesus wants obedience rather than sacrifice. So that's what God's looking for. That's how we can demonstrate and show our love for God. It's by being obedient to him, by being obedient to his word. It's impossible to say that we love God, but we do everything that is opposing in his word. It's not, it, it, the two don't go together. And so we can demonstrate our, our love for God by being obedient to him and to his word. So the apostle Paul asked, can anything separate us from the love of God, trial, tribulation, no, the answer is absolutely nothing. We pick up in verse 36, it says, just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So we pick up here in verse 36 by the Apostle Paul quoting Psalm 44, verse 22. And Psalm 44, 22 says, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We're being led as sheep to be slaughtered. And so with this, the Apostle Paul is warning them and us not to be surprised when we endure suffering and trials and tribulation for Christ's sake. He says, don't be surprised when this happened. Jesus warned us the same way. He said, they hated me, so too are they going to hate you. Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? 
No, flowers and springtime and all the money you need and health and wealth. That's not what he said. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. You see the great paradox within the Christian faith. His ways are great, higher than ours. Jesus, in the same sentence, can say, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Those who identify and align and are true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. That's not a message that we talk a lot about in church. This is the type of message that causes people not to come back next Sunday, but please do. It's a great Easter message. That is our Super Bowl. But people don't want to hear. There's going to be trials and tribulations and difficulty and peril and distress. Yes. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, he says, anyone who desires to follow the Lord Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. Anyone? Anyone and everyone who desires to follow Christ will suffer persecution. You see, we've seen Christians persecuted around the world for generations. By the thousands. There's brothers and sisters in the faith right now in India, in the Risa state of India. By the thousands, they're putting, being put to death. And so the apostle Paul is warning us here, the same warning that Jesus gave us. He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. And so not to be surprised. And sadly, here in America, we're beginning to see persecution like we've never seen before. Now we're surprised. But why should we be? We have the warnings here. I can't believe they're taking away our religious freedoms. Really? Jesus said it. The apostle Paul warned we thought that it would never come. And so we are to not be surprised. He said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. And they're being led like sheep to the slaughter. And this words of the apostle Paul is powerful. It's kind of chilling. It's really prophetic. Shortly after the apostle Paul penned these very words, he was led like sheep to the slaughter as his life was taken by the evil Caesar Nero. So he knew. He gave his life. He died for his faith, and these words were prophetic as he uttered them. So he warns them. And even after this warning, he says something very interesting in verse 37. He says, but in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loves us. And all these things, all these things that he had just got done talking about, trial, tribulation, persecution, even being put to death, but even in all these things, we're still conquerors? It's a great paradox. You see, Christ says, if you lose your life, you gain it. The world says, take care of yourself, please yourself. That's how you attain and gain. Jesus says, give everything away. That's how you get more. Everything is, and here it says, when you die and when you're persecuted and go through trials and tribulations, we're still more than conquerors. It's this beauty, this paradox in the things of Christ. And all these things, we're still more than conquerors. Paul was saying that not only do not all these things not separate us from the love of God, but actually they allow us to experience and they draw us closer to the love of God. They don't separate us. They allow us to experience it in a deeper, more rich way. When we go through trials, when we go through tribulations, when we go through persecutions, how do we get to experience them in a new way? Well, he just got done talking about it in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So in all these things, 
trials, tribulations. The Apostle Paul said, these things don't shake me. They don't bother me. Because he knew who he was in Christ. I love that not only do we conquer through him, but it says in verse 37 that we overwhelmingly do so. Not only do we win, not only do, do we conquer, but overwhelmingly do so. That word in the Greek, it means to overconquer, to conquer completely, or to conquer with success to spare. And that is what the Apostle Paul is saying. In the midst of all these things, we conquer all these things overwhelmingly. But what does that look like practically in our lives? What does it look like to overwhelmingly conquer for us as believers? Well, the best illustration I can think of is a boxing match. Uh, See, we have two champions, two equal fighters, and they're coming together for a championship bout. Now, no one knows who's truly going to win. It's a 12-round match, and they're going back and forth and up and down, and you're watching this, and it's gripping, and you're on the edge of your seat not knowing who's going to win. It comes down to the last round. Nobody has an advantage. They're going back and forth, back and forth, and it ends up going to a decision. And everyone's on their edge of the seat not knowing who's going to win until the very end. And then there's a conqueror by a slim margin, maybe three judges to two, a split decision. Somebody wins. Somebody is excited and somebody is let down. But nobody knows who's going to win throughout the bout. But for us as overwhelmingly conquerors, That's not the attitude or the mindset we're to have. That word gives the idea that we are to fight the fight as if we already know who won, as if we already know what the decision is going to be, that there's no question who will win the fights. That is how we're to conduct ourselves as believers, as overwhelmingly conquerors. But that's difficult at times, especially in the middle of a fight or in the middle of a trial, maybe Somebody here is going through loss or a trial or tribulation or a distress. And when you're in the midst of that, you're not sure what good is going to come out of it. But in that place, God wants us to be able to rejoice and to praise him knowing that we are victorious. Before the battle's won, when it's at its darkest point, we need to claim and to walk in the fact that we are overwhelmingly conquerors. And that's hard to do, especially in the midst of dark and distressful and trying in times of tribulation. Because it's at those times that we're tempted to think, God, where are you in the midst of this? God, what are you going to do in the midst of this? God, am I going to get out of this? But for those who are overwhelmingly conquerors, we say in the midst of it, God, I know that there's going to be a victory. I know who's going to win. How can we say that? Not because of us. Look at the second part of verse 37. We can have this confidence Because we overwhelmingly conquer through him. Through him. That's the key. Because he won. Through him who loves us. We as believers, we need to be able to grab a hold of, walk in and apply this truth to our life. And I think that really changes everything. If we can really understand that we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him. And it says, in all things... Not some things, not a few things, but in all things. And I think us walking in that, applying that to our life, it changes things, especially during those times of trial and tribulation. Because it's at those times that we can begin to to lose hope, that we can begin to lose faith and wonder and waver. Is good going to come out of this? 
Is God for me? Is God going to use this for good in my life? Or is this going to be the end? But we can claim that knowing that we are overwhelmingly conquerors if we can walk in that. Look at verse 38. It says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Apostle Paul started this sermon as we were looking at by asking a question. What then can separate us from the love of God? But he ends it here by saying that he is convinced, that he is 100% assured of something. And that which he was 100% assured of is that nothing can separate him from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing and so he lists out just to, to be sure, to be thorough, that nothing can separate. And the first thing he says is death. Many might think that that does separate, but death not only doesn't separate us from the love of God, but it brings us into a deeper presence and a loving relationship with God. So not death, not life. Life is difficult. Sometimes it's easier to die for Christ and to live for Christ because when we live for Christ, we're called to die for Christ on a daily basis. But no matter what life throws at us, no matter what we go through in this life, we can love him more because his faithfulness, we get to see it through each and every single trial. So he said, yeah, that's not gonna separate us from the love of God. Principalities, no. Angels, demons, no. Things present, I think somebody needs to hear that today. Things present, the present and current situations that you're enduring, it's not going to separate you from the love of God. What about future? He says, no, no, don't worry. Seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto us. Not present or future things we have to worry about. Powers? This has to do with those people who are in authority over us, rulers in our land or people that we work for. No, they're not going to separate us from the love of God. Verse 39, he says, nor height nor depth. And this was an astrological term that was used by navigators at that time to talk about the height and the depth of stars. And in this, what the Apostle Paul was basically saying, that nothing will come across through navigating this life ever will separate us from the love of God. Now, even as we're talking about this, I can't help but think that there might be someone here today who's saying, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through, and you don't know what I'm feeling right now. And what I'm going through and what I'm feeling right now isn't on that list. The Apostle Paul heard your thoughts, and so he got it covered at the end of verse 39. He says, nor any other created thing, just in case he missed anything, just in case he forgot something, just in case you're like, aha, what about this? He doesn't know. No, that's it. No created thing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. What good news. Can we receive that here this morning? Can we believe that? Can we walk in that? That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And how refreshing it is to know that this has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with him who loves us from beginning to end. If it had to do with me and something that I was to do, I would mess it up. But no, it has everything to do with him. What a beautiful chapter Romans 8 is. It began with there's no condemnation, and it ends with no separation, right? 
these are four truths that we see in Romans chapter 8 that we really need to apply to our life. And not only if we could believe them and we can receive them, but we can apply to our life, it will change everything. It started with there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it ends with no separation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And in the middle, we have just a beautiful sandwich between those things. It's like a beautiful peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Everybody loves a good peanut butter and jelly, right? And this is just like a soppy one. Jelly's just coming down. This is a good one, right? You got no condemnation, no separation. And in the middle, you got God is for you. And that God is working all things in your life for good. These are truths that we need to apply, to believe, and to walk in in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word. It truly is a lamp to our feet. It's encouraging to our hearts, God. And even as we meditate and ponder and talk about the beautiful truths that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, God, our hearts are full. Our spirit is warm and blessed, God. We're so thankful that we can say that. We can say that God is for us and that he's not against us and that he works all things together for our good. And today, Lord, we are overwhelmed to know that nothing, nothing can separate us from your love. God, Lord, help us to treasure these things. Help us to cling to these things. Help us to believe and to receive these things. And most importantly, to apply these things to our lives like never, ever before, God. So we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we leave here today, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the love of God and to receive the greatest present ever given. That's given the gift of salvation. And so if you're here today and you're ready to respond to the, to the love of God, which was demonstrated and clearly shown and proven. And the fact when you were a sinner, when you wanted nothing to do with him, he died for you. He died so that you could have life and that more abundance. We never have to doubt, waver. He proved. He said, I love you this much. And the reason he was willing to die for you is so that you could be reconciled to God, so that you can have a relationship with him, so you can have purpose and passion. And all you got to do is receive him. Receive the gift of salvation. The Bible says, for as many that have received him, he's given them the right to become children of God. So that you can respond to the love of God by receiving the gift of God, his son Jesus. And to do that, all you have to do is be willing to repent. You gotta be willing to turn your life around and over to God. Understanding, recognizing, and realizing the way that you've been doing things are wrong. You've been doing what's right in your own eyes. And whenever we do that, it only leads to our own demise. Emptiness, broken this. But today you're, you're done running. You're running. You're done running from the one who loves you, who demonstrated and clearly showed his love. And you're ready to respond to that love and receive him. And if you're here today, I just want to pray for you. Give you that opportunity. His hand is reaching down saying, receive me. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and to close their eyes. And if you're here this morning and you're ready to respond to the love of God and receive the gift of God, salvation through his son, Jesus. Right where you're at right now, I just would ask that you would stand so I can pray with you, so I can pray for you. Make a decision to give your life to Christ today. The reason I'm asking you to stand is, God bless you, brother. God bless you. The reason I'm asking you to stand is, Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you 
for my Father who is in heaven if you deny me. This is a safe place, a place where you can come and say, I'm done running, I'm done doing things my way. I want to do things God's way. I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm waving the white flag. I am yours. Please come, forgive me. I want to have a relationship with you, and I want it to start today. So if you're ready to make that decision for the first time or you're ready to rededicate your life to the Lord, I encourage you to stand so I can pray with you. Start your journey with Christ. Anybody else? Said, I'm done. Empty, broken. I want to be right with God. Today is the day. Anybody else? All right. I want to lead you in a, a simple prayer. It's about the condition of your heart, not about these words, but you can say it quietly where you're at and just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I have sinned and fallen short of your righteousness. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Please come into my heart and help me to live for you in all that I do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you're here today and you're struggling with anything that we spoke about, there's a prayer room to my right, your left. Maybe you're struggling with condemnation. Maybe you're struggling with separation. Am I separated from God's love? Is God for me? Is God working all things out? There's people who would love to pray for you and minister to you. But as we leave let us walk in who we are in Christ, more than conquerors in all things. Let's apply that truth to our life. Amen? Let's stand for our final song.